Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wrestling Dark presents The Dark Sheets. In the words of the great Shania Twain, looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. Yes, the daft sheet has reached episode 10. We're now into double digits. And to celebrate, I am doing this on my fucking Todd. Uh, a combination of poor uh, timing, poor scheduling and everything on my part. Uh, a combination of some of our regulars performing at the Edinburgh Fringe, being caught up in general life. Uh, has meant that I am now recording uh, this section of the podcast at uh, 25 past 10 on a Wednesday night, far beyond the realms of which I can ask anybody else to come on and join me to dissect the week's wrestling. Uh, And what a week it's going to be. Obviously, we've got um, AW All In coming up this weekend, uh, which is going to feature quite heavily, probably more so on next week's show uh, than this week's. Uh, but it is a very, very exciting time uh, for everyone that is going to attend uh, All In at Wembley. Uh, a number of people, which does not include myself, uh, I was hoping that I was going to be getting uh, a wee bit of work through my, my radio contacts and whatnot uh, to take me over to Wembley and see what could be done. But alas, that is not to be. Uh, unfortunately, I am not getting to work at All In. So I am going to have the biggest bout of FOMO come Sunday fear of missing out um, and it's, it's all my own fault really I suppose you know I'm a 38 year old man you know I've got disposable income I should be able to afford flights and a ticket to anything that I want to go to but All In has coincided with me moving house uh, it's coincided with me going on a couple of holidays uh, and it's coinciding with me uh, not being able to afford to go as well because of those other things but the experiences and memories that I've made on those other things and what I will make in my, my house uh, will probably far outstrip that of All In. But for anyone that is going, you know, enjoy yourself. Uh, I hope you have a great time and hopefully the card lives up to expectations or the, the expectations that you have of it. Uh, and as we're going to dive into the daft sheet uh, later on, we're going to find out exactly what you can expect or not expect uh, through some of the stuff that's on it. So as I said there, I'm flying solo this week. So I'm going to go into a little bit on how we would normally do the daft sheet so i'm going to be filling the front page the back page page three and the tv pages myself here uh i've also got a center fold uh which is the the highlights from tony can's all in uh press call that he had the other day there uh, answering some questions from some proper uh, journalists in the wrestling realm uh and uh again with carrying on the uh the all-in theme. Uh, there's a wee bit that I've done on uh, the man that we all want to see there himself, uh, Grado. Uh, so there's that in there as well. Uh, now, unfortunately, uh, as I've begun recording this, uh, it's come to light that uh, another legend of the, the game uh, has unfortunately passed away. Uh, this time it is Terry Funk. Uh, so... Again, rest in peace to Terry and the, the thoughts of everyone at Wrestling Daft and the Daft Sheet are with his family. Uh, there's much better people suited to be paying tribute to the, the man uh, than I am. Uh, so I'm just going to go through a couple of tweets. Uh, obviously, the, the most pertinent tweet that you could probably think of about the, the passing of Terry Funk comes from Mick Foley, uh, in which he says, Terry Funk is gone. I just talked to Terry's daughter, Brandy, who gave me the awful news. He was my mentor, my idol, one of my closest friends. He was the greatest wrestler I ever saw. If you get the chance, look up a Terry Funk match or a Terry Funk promo and give thanks that this incredible man gave so much for so long to so many. There will never be another like him. May God bless Terry, his friends, family and all who loved him. RIP, my dear friend, it was an honour to know you. 
Uh, so Mike Foley leading with a, a very, very heartfelt tribute there. Uh, Ric Flair uh, also tweeted out, In my entire life, I've never met a guy who worked harder. Terry Funk was a great wrestler, entertainer, unbelievably fearless and a great friend. Rest in peace, my friend Terry Funk, knowing that no one will ever replace you in the world of professional wrestling. Um, so, you know, from uh, Mick Foley to Terry Funk to the likes of Lance Storm uh, and many, many more uh, on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it uh, these days, uh, you'll see that uh, there's a great outpouring of of loss uh, at, the, at the death of Terry Funk, uh, who uh, has sadly passed away this evening. Now, on to the, the daft sheet itself. Uh, we're going to kick off with the front page, uh, which is always the biggest wrestling news story of the week. Uh, and I don't think that there can be any bigger news story in the lead up to All In than uh, what happened on Friday when the news broke that one half of FTR, Cash Wheeler, had been arrested, uh, putting his match with uh, the Young Bucks at Wembley in jeopardy. Uh, so, for anyone who's not in the know about it, uh, Cash Wheeler uh, was arrested on Friday and uh, his arraignment took place uh, shortly afterwards uh, for uh, being convicted of aggravated assault uh, with a firearm. Now, like many people on social media, the first thought when you hear that kind of thing uh, is always the worst. You fear it's going to be like a spousal thing or a domestic abuse kind of thing. But from uh, the information that was made available, uh, it turns out that he uh, was tailgating someone uh, after what we believe was one of the episodes of Collision uh, in July. Uh, and basically, he made the, the driver of the other car fear for his life by flashing his firearm at him through the window. Uh, now, I don't know all the legalities and all the terms of it. When you think of aggravated assault, you think you know that someone's you know been beaten up or uh, there's been some kind of malicious some malicious violence uh, caused on there. Uh, but if going by what's what's been said in the the witness testimony and everything like that, uh, the man was was fearful because of the erratic driving of uh, of, of Cash Wheeler along with the 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 gun in question, uh, and subsequently. As a result of the the arraignment and the conviction, uh, Cash Wheeler has been fined two and a half grand in, in American dollars USD, and has also been ordered to turn in his firearms. But from the the wrestling fan perspective, it means that he is free to work, or that, as far as we know, at the time of the recording, he's free to work Wembley at the weekend. Uh, there's been nothing uh, indicated that he has had his passport revoked or won't be able to travel for it. Uh, so he will be able to to partake in the festivities uh, in London this weekend. But again, that's all if uh, Tony Khan allows it to happen. He may want to make an example out of Cash Wheeler because, you know, if any kind of criminal activity like that needs to be punished. Uh, and fair enough, the, the law have fallen on the side of a fine and making them... Uh, give up his weapons, but uh, from an employment standpoint, uh, Tony Khan, his, his arm might be forced, his hand might be forced in regards to that kind of thing, and may may choose to to do something about that. He has alluded uh, in the last couple of days that things the the card is subject to change for for Sunday, so we may yet see something develop from that. Uh, so for my front page. Uh, this week I'm going with that story of Cash Wheeler's Road Rage Rest and the headline I'm giving that is FTR Flash the Revolver, which you've probably seen elsewhere uh, as well. Uh, now, for the back page where we usually talk about the the best wrestling match of the week, I've been conflicted with it. If you're looking solely at best match of the week, you're probably looking at Gunter against Chad Gable from Raw on Monday night. Now, unfortunately, because I've been on holiday and house moving and being a dad and all that kind of thing, I've not been able to make the time to actually watch the match, but I have seen a few clips of it on TikTok. And from what I've seen and from what I've read about it, it was very, very well received. Uh, Chad Gable has been on a great run on Raw uh, recently, whether that's been with the, the feud with the Viking Raiders, the the, the coaching uh, as part of the Alpha Academy of uh, Maxine Dupree, uh, and just in general, him and uh, Otis 
uh, being one of the the more fun things to watch on a on a Monday evening or Tuesday morning, whenever it is that you you would watch Thor, uh, and his recent uh, battles with Gunther and Imperium uh, have been swelling the the cogs for him to be given a run with the Intercontinental title. Now, I don't necessarily think that that should be the case. I think Gunther is is a more than than worthy uh, holder of the, the Intercontinental belt at the moment, uh, and I don't think it would do. I don't think it would do either man any good. Really, to, to have Gable take it. Uh, Gable, as good as he is, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was shorty G. It was something that upper management didn't see a lot in, but he has done, done a lot to prove him wrong. But I just don't think, you know, he's he's got that LA Knight kind of thing about him. He's not got that vibe. Yes, he's a, a great in ring performer. Yes, he's, he can talk on the mic and stuff. But there's just, there's just something lacking about him that I don't think he should. It makes me think that he shouldn't be the man to, to dethrone Gunter uh, as the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, in terms of the, the match action, as I say, I've only seen clips of it, uh, but the the chain wrestling uh, aspect of it that Gable put on, uh, where they wouldn't, where basically was telling the story that if he got any further than, than an arm's length away from Gunter, he knew he would be done for. So he was doing all that he could to stay tight, to keep on him and uh, keep him grounded and keep him stymied as much as possible. Uh, but alas, it was the big Austin fella that managed to dispose of Gable via count-out. In fact, not till I, sorry, he didn't dispose of him at all. Gable took the win via count-out, uh, which is an interesting turn of events on there. His first uh, televised loss that Gunnar's had in quite a bit, uh, certainly for as long as I can remember, possibly even back to that Survivor Series. Uh, or the Smackdowns down about that Survivor Season. I might be talking absolute pish on that, I'm tired. It's getting late. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a shock to see Gunter take the L on that one, even though it was by pinfall. Uh, but as I said earlier on, I was in two minds as to, to what to put as the match, because the only other match that I've, I've seen over the last week, which kind of resonated with me and, and kind of stuck in my mind, was the absolutely abysmal uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match on Dynamite last week. Um, obviously, it was a tie-in, and the good part of it is that all the money that uh, AEW have gotten sponsorship from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game is going towards the, the Fight for the Fallen Fund and the, 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 Maui, uh, the Maui relief uh, that Tony Khan was... Uh, was looking to do with the fight for the fallen uh, gate money and everything like that as well. Uh, so that was obviously a good part, but the match itself was fucking dreadful. Uh, just you couldn't see half of it. The commentators just treated it like it was was a piece of shit as well. Uh, the obviously there was callbacks to what happens in the films and in the game and things like that, which you know, it's a tie-in, you're going to want that kind of thing. But it was just, it went on too long, it was abysmal. Jeff Hardy coming out, chanting his own name, coming to the thing, then wandering backstage to go and find where the action was. Uh, it was absolutely rotten. Uh, yeah, it just, oh, it was just, it was crap. It was just utter, utter dog shit. Uh, all for the good cause, but for the for the wrestling viewer, it wasn't that great at all, uh, and you know it didn't really further things. I mean, the the person that I feel worst for coming out of it is Ethan Page. I think you know a couple of weeks ago on was it Collision, was it one of the collisions or a, a Dynamite or, or something where he came out in Toronto and challenged MJF uh, to a, a rare impromptu match uh, in AEW. And uh, it looked like he was going to get a bit of a babyface push on that. But since then, he's he's still not managed to escape all this Hardy family stuff. He's still involved with the with the Hardys. He's still involved with, with all this comedy piss that's not even funny. And as someone who looks the part, can talk and can go, Ethan Page, in my opinion, should be far, far more advanced in all elite wrestling than what he is at the moment. Uh, so that would that was my biggest kind of takeaway from that. Uh, say the things, but yeah, if if you've not checked it out, you know, do it if you want. You're not going to see much, but if you're into shit wrestling, botchamania style stuff, uh, then uh, then yeah, the Texas Chainsaw 
Massacre Deathmatch from Dynamite last week. Uh, it was good uh, for that kind of thing. But, uh, as I say, the best match of the week, I would say, uh, going by the general consensus, uh, was Gunther against Chad Gable. And my headline for that back page is Gunther's Day... <coughs> Sorry, is... Is Gunther's Lane set to come to Gable End? Again, if you're not Scottish, Gable End's a bit of a house down the back kind of thing. Uh, it, would, it works better written down as most of these headlines do. Now, uh, this is the section of the podcast where we would usually throw to a centrefold, uh, which is usually an interview or something else that differentiates from just the usual chat. And this week I have taken uh, some of the clips from Tony Khan's pre-AEW All-In press call that he held on Tuesday. Uh, So that is going to start playing just about now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AEW All In just days away, Tony Khan held his regular pre-show press call to answer the burning questions of proper wrestling journals ahead of the monumental Wembley event. Here's five of the best questions and answers from the call. Phil Strom of USA Network's Under the Ring asked Tony about Young Bucks vs FTR, what happened with Cash Wheeler last weekend, and how it may or may not impact the third meeting between these two immense teams. Hey Tony, congratulations on uh, Wembley Stadium and all in. What's happening in wrestling right now is just—it's just great to see and in AEW for sure. Um, I'm interested in learning if you felt Young Bucks versus FTR was ever in jeopardy, and if there was any discipline of Cash Wheeler following his arrest, and also just your thoughts on on that match. Thank you. Thank you. Well, first of all, I'll start with my thoughts on the match. I think it's two of the greatest tag teams of all time. I have so much respect for all four men individually and each of the two teams collectively. I think they're both amazing tag teams. I think all four men are great wrestlers, and they have had great matches. Uh, When FTR arrived in AEW, it was all about the build towards FTR versus Young Bucks, and that first match was incredible at Full Gear 2020. And for a long time, we wanted to see a rematch. We finally saw it in Boston. It was an incredible match on Wednesday Night Dynamite in April of last year. Uh, And the rubber match is something I know I've personally wanted to see for well over a year now. And I know a lot of fans in pro wrestling wanted to see it. And I thought the perfect place for the rubber match to settle one of these great rivalries in the history of tag team wrestling would be AEW All-In. And as for... Uh, things that have happened outside of the ring. I can't comment on the specifics at this time because I still don't know uh, everything, still learning facts, but based on uh, the information we have, uh, you know, at this time, we're still uh, keeping an eye on that situation. And at this time, I think it's a very inconclusive situation. Uh, It differs from other times where we've uh, come in and weighed in on a situation or acted on a situation based on the evidence, because in this case uh, and everything we're looking at, I don't think we have those facts right now. So uh, at this point, I think it's rather inconclusive. But I do uh, very much look forward to the match and uh, we'll keep an eye out throughout 
this week and as long as it's a pending situation at what's what's happening. Thank you very much. Steve Fall from 10 Count then asked about the positioning of certain wrestlers and storylines on All In versus All Out, which is happening a week later, and how each card is being put together. Hey, thanks. Tony, very pumped for the show this weekend, but how difficult is it for you to put together an All In card versus an All Out card? Like, Who decides on who's going to end up on what card? Because obviously everybody wants to be at Wembley, so is it a difficult decision on where these matches land? Yeah, it's a very difficult decision. I have to make that decision. Very unpleasant, and people uh, uh, absolutely do. You're completely right. Want to do whatever they can do to be on Wembley, but also there's a great show coming up the following week in another market that's hugely important to AEW, and that's Chicago, the United Center. And there'll be a lot of focus on that show. Certainly, uh, you know, as we come out all in, there'll be a lot of focus on all out, and certainly with a big spotlight on all in, it'll provide a great opportunity to promote all out. Also, the live event weekend is really important. We've got a massive ticket gross right now, obviously a massive ticket gross at Wembley Stadium, which is historic, but also one of our best gates at the United Center. We've got a great crowd coming in for all out on pay-per-view, and that is a great weekend for us to run the event in Chicago. And on the live gate alone, that's going to be a massively profitable event. So a lot of it is about the real estate that we've carved out for ourselves. And now we found something really special to do all in during the bank holiday weekend on August 27th, this Sunday in London, and then come back for Labor Day weekend in Chicago and have another very profitable live event. So I think there'll be people clamoring to be on All Out as well, but certainly the big priority right now and everybody's focus is All In, and it's with good reason because it's going to be a massive event absolutely this Sunday. Thanks, Steve. Amy Nemedy from Wrestling First drew some similarities between MJF's involvement in the first All In and to where the AEW champion is positioned now ahead of his Wembley main event against Adam Cole thought process in booking this card how much did you consider the first all-in and how many tie-ins you could make on this historic show thank you for your time that's a great question well you've opened me up for several things there Amy. i appreciate it uh well i definitely was cognizant that mjf had opened the original all-in and he also was in the first match we ever had at the original double or nothing the casino battle royale uh, that he was featured in and involved with Hangman Page. And there was, uh, of course, MJF on the original All In. We also, uh, as we approached this card, absolutely took that into consideration. But really, I felt like MJF Adam Cole is one of the best stories we've ever told, maybe the best story we've ever told on television. And people are very, very excited about it. People want to know. Uh, what's coming next with Adam Cole and MJF. And absolutely, uh, that has been our focus as a main event. And I was cognizant of MJF's history with All In. And, and even before there was an AEW, his involvement with that show. Uh, there are definitely some callbacks you know, to the original All In. I've, I've tried to utilize the footage and video packages and referenced it when I first uh, announced the event would be coming to Wembley Stadium. And in addition to using some of those video and referencing the history of the original All In, we've been using the Is All In graphics when we make an announcement that somebody is going to be participating on the card or if it's multiple people that they are All In. And I think people have enjoyed seeing that retro feel. Uh, I have taken some amusement as people have uh, wondered why the elite would be in a trios match on all in when the main event of the original all in was a trios match <laughs> that, uh, uh, you know, featured great wrestlers. And, and we have another elite trios match with Kota Ibushi in it and, and top members of the elite faction in a trios match. And uh, I thought that was kind of fun because that was also something from the original all in. Uh, 
absolutely very excited about the card and there's some great tie-in to the original show. So many people who participated on the first event are going to be a part of this event too. And uh, I was there five years ago and it was very influential event in pro wrestling. And when I purchased Ring of Honor, one of the things I was very excited about was to own that video in our library now as well. And I'm sure that this event, this coming Sunday, uh, will not only live up to the expectations of the original All-In, but take that name, take everything that was built that day, and take it to the next level. Stephanie Chase was also on the call and asked about the roles of the Elite as EVPs and if they have changed since the signing with the company compared to the creative involvement of other tenured wrestlers backstage. Um, I wanted to ask because the, the Elite recently resigned with Omega and the Young Bucks staying on as EVPs as well. Um, how would you define their roles as EVPs now, especially if you compare it to wrestlers such as Chris Jericho and CM Punk, who also appear to do a lot backstage but don't hold any title? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I think it is uh, a variety of responsibilities that different people backstage carry. Certainly from the very beginning of AEW, uh, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson have been in, very involved in uh, coming up with ideas and uh, helping build some of the major events, including the original All In, which was actually before AEW even launched and is brilliant creation uh, from the Young Bucks. And I think that uh, with, in particular, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, they have a great connection to the fabric of the company and the history of the company. And as we've gone on, I've, I've added people to the team, uh, people that work backstage, people that are uh, also executives. Some some of them are wrestlers, but for the most part, you know, there's not a lot of people that carry the executive title and uh, are featured on the wrestling show so uh, regularly and so importantly as. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So I do think um, as we approach the first ever AEW All-In, it's a great time to look back at all the great things that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks have done here in AEW. And, of course, uh, they're three of the four uh, original executive vice presidents along with Cody Rhodes. And the four of them put together an event with the original All-In that has stood the test of time and captured the imaginations of fans around the world and based on the success of that original event I thought that bringing the first ever AEW all in had the potential to be our biggest event ever and it has been so it's a it's a huge blessing for the company and in large part thanks to the elite Kenny Omega and the Unbucks for creating all in so uh, they're still a, a huge part of the company and very excited to have them participating in all in five years later. Thank you very much, Stephanie. With so many rumoured and enforced changes to the All In card, WrestleZone's Bill Pritchard wanted to know the reasoning for so many potential workarounds before the first bell rings on Sunday. I wanted to ask about uh, the actual match card that's been announced, if you could comment on this being the final card or if anything else could be added. I know, you know, specifically, Paul White's kind of teased something with Captain Insano, and there's some other matches that maybe fans expected to be announced that aren't yet. Could you comment on how final what I think it's nine matches are? I this is there will be adjustments to the card. Some of them have been planned from the beginning. Some of them are things that we're dealing with on the fly. I would love it. If the first thing I wrote down months ago for every pay-per-view card was what actually came to life, it is rarely the case that you put ideas down on paper and then uh, months and months go by and there's no major changes to that set of ideas. I wish that everything in pro wrestling happened in a vacuum and that all of our best ideas as they played out on paper, didn't get changed up. Uh, this has been very challenging 
but honestly, I've been through a lot of challenging stuff. And I understand when somebody gets injured, on one hand, you could you can blame the company for that. I mean, they're fluke things. So if two wrestlers go out and have a match and somebody gets injured in the match doing a wrestling move, look, they, like the company, sure, like we put them in the wrestling match. If there's an injury, it is our fault. But on the other hand, anytime we do a show, there's going to be a bunch of wrestling matches and you have to accept the possibility there may be injuries and things that are going to change the card. There's been a lot of that with this show. What I'm very, 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 very grateful for is that none of it has involved MJF and Adam Cole, which could have happened. Certainly last year, for example, I lost Adam Cole twice in one summer. Not only did I lose Adam Cole twice in one summer, within the span of four days due to injuries, I lost CM Punk, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole, all for extended periods of time within two shows that happened four days apart. And that would be, or I guess three days apart. So within three days, I lost uh, Punk, Brian, and Cole uh, last summer, 22, between Double or Nothing and Dynamite episode 139 at the Forum. And uh, then, um, you know, that summer was very challenging. It was already challenging with Kenny Omega being out. MJF had stepped away. Uh, it was a challenging summer, but I think we worked through it and came out of it in a good position. There has not been that many injuries uh, all at once, but then uh, slowly, kind of one at a time, things have added up, and they changed the card a lot. So Brian Danielson was somebody I – wanted to have prominently involved in this card as well. Certainly this MJF Adam Cole story has been something that has been in the works. The idea of them as a tag team and uh, it's just clicked so beautifully and there are ideas you have on paper that click and you, you know, I love working with MJF and Adam Cole and their stuff is going so well. I'm so happy. And that has been a real blessing for the company and I think a real blessing for this pay-per-view and I will as I say this I am now going to knock on wood uh, 10 times that, uh, that it stays this way now uh, as of right now uh, I have I have no reason to believe as of now that there there will be a status change to the tag team title match obviously we'll keep an eye on that situation I'm not saying I'm taking it lightly but as of what I've seen right now I haven't seen enough uh, to make the change there and I'm not expecting to but I will keep an eye on it and I'm taking that seriously but it is also one of the most important matches in the history of the company and I'm very excited about it and as it stands right now I'm, I think it's going to be one of the greatest tag team matches we've had and it's certainly one of the greatest nights we've had so I believe it's very fitting that we have this huge world championship match MJF versus Adam Cole that's been building uh, here in AEW literally for months and this huge World Tag Team Championship that we've been wanting to see for years with Young Bucks uh, versus FTR, and uh, very excited about both those world title matches. Then there's been a lot of other changes throughout the card. Um, Ryan Danielson, who is such an important part of AEW, I had figured in to be in one of the main matches on this show, and losing Brian Danielson to any wrestling company at any point in history is going to be just very challenging, as it was when we lost him in the past. It's to a completely different injury and really a fluke thing that happened in Forbidden Door that nobody could have predicted, and uh, it's nobody's fault. And then uh, we lost two of our top British stars, Jamie Hayter and Pac, who I wanted to both be very prominently involved in this show. I think it's it's fair to say that they are the top uh, uh, homegrown, in Jamie Hayter's case, female British star and and probably the top signature male British star of the company in PAC, although I wouldn't say it's completely fair to call PAC homegrown since he had a lot of experience wrestling on television worldwide before he arrived here. Uh, but to lose Brian Danielson, PAC, and Jamie Hayter, that changed a lot of plans. But we knew that they were all probably going to be out uh, in recent weeks and had time to plan for that. Now I'm going to be honest with you about more stuff. I expect more changes. They were not changes I wanted to make or planned to make. I'm not talking about the aforementioned matches, not the world championship match or even the world tag team title match or any of these other matches. 
that I just brought up. There will probably be some other changes to the card necessitated by things happening in the real world. Uh, stuff, in some cases, stuff that's nobody's fault, uh, but stuff that is not related to the world of professional wrestling. And I am going to try to work through this week to make it as strong as possible without with actually making the card hopefully better uh, than it has been. But yeah, th there will be changes to the card. I'm planning to add something and I might have to make some changes within the body of the card as it stands right now, but they're not substantive changes that will change the quality of the show. And I'm very glad that uh, the big matches are in such a good position right now. And also to be honest, I think you're, you're going to have to stay tuned. And then after you see some changes, I, you know, whether it's in a scrum after the pay-per-view or whatever, I can talk to you more about when and why I decided to do those. But it's not like they were things that even a week or two I knew about or was expecting uh, to have to change. And uh, that's part of pro wrestling. So yeah, that was the best bits of the AEW All In press call. You can obviously watch uh, All In on Fight TV this Sunday. Uh, I don't have any codes to get that free of charge for you like most uh, wrestling uh, podcasts do at the moment. Uh, but if you're not going uh, to the, the show yourself, get on to, to Fight TV. I think they're giving 20% off if you sign up uh, just now as well. Um now that takes us on to page three, which is the, the gossip page, the most titillating bit of wrestling uh, news of the week. And uh, for this section, uh, I'm going to talk about the the impending edge retirement or shift to All Elite Wrestling. Now on SmackDown on Friday night, Edge had a well-publicised uh, uh, final match in Toronto uh, with Sheamus, the man that he credits with bringing him back into the wrestling fold. Uh, after his, his years out being retired. Uh, at the end of the match, uh, he cut a promo uh, after SmackDown went off air saying that his, uh, his contract with WWE's current contract is up in September, which led a lot of people to think that this might be the time that he's about to jump ship to AEW. Uh, there's been a few people thinking that he might even jump as early as this weekend. Uh, or it could be just that you know he's he's playing the waiting game. He's trying to get a bit of uh, a bit of hype around the signing uh, with the Fed on there as well. Uh, I think WWE seems to be a really really good fit for them. I think that at Edge's age, he can work that reduced schedule as he has done over the last wee while. He's obviously in very very good terms with them. The fact that he was able to come back and even when the rumours were circulating. Uh, back in 2020, that he was going to come out of retirement. Uh, there's the story of Vince making sure that it was only WWE that he was going to come to. Uh, he's maybe got a couple of unfinished stories there as well. Uh, if you think about it, you know there's there's still a few uh, a few uh, chapters left that he could uh, that could still play out in WWE. And at this moment in time, if he goes to AEW, other than uh, a nostalgic reunion with Christian. Could you really see him going the distance with like Kenny Omega? Could you see him hanging with, you know, even even you know getting involved with CM Punk, this Jericho? That could, well, maybe Jericho actually. That could be be quite interesting. The, the two of them in later life on there, and there was even you know some some subtle nods to it on Collision uh, this weekend, this past weekend as well, with uh, CM Punk turning up as the Golden Vampire, very reminiscent of the, the Los Conquistadors uh, tag team that he and Christian pretended to be uh, back in the, the WWF uh, heyday. Uh, you also had at the end of Collision uh, Christian using the spear on Darby Allen as well, which again is, you know, Jerry so paying tribute to, to Adam Copeland in probably the, the most flattering way possible there. Um, so yeah, the... the the opportunity for Edge to, you know, break away from the WWE cycle, wrestle somewhere else, somewhere different, uh, is is well and truly out there. But do we really want to see him, you know, potentially risking his health going to AEW? Obviously, the style in AEW is very, very different to what he would be used to in WWE. He may feel that he needs to push himself that bit harder, but again, with those neck injuries, 
with the, the other injuries that he's had, is that the wisest thing for the man uh, in his late 40s, approaching 50s? Is that the, the right thing for them to do? Who knows? It'll be up to him. Uh, but in terms of headlines for page three, uh, well, I'm going with it. Copeland on edge of retirement or Adam good AEW run? Because his he's real name's Adam on there. Uh, so yeah, we'll jump from page three to the TV pages now. Uh, and thank you for, for holding in. This is now 20 minutes worth of, of me chatting myself. So thank you very much for, for listening if you've got this far. Uh, the TV pages this week where we talk about something that you can watch, which is wrestling related, but not necessarily wrestling. Uh, the thing I'm going to go for this week is The Bear, which is on Disney+. Plus. Now, if you're unaware of what The Bear is, uh, it's a comedy drama. Loose, well, it's, it's very dramatic, it's very intense, but there is light that kind of breaks up uh, about a, a prodigious chef who has worked in the best restaurants in the world, is regarded as one of the best chefs in the world, but he comes back to Chicago after the death of his brother to run his brother's sandwich shop. Now, it's really, really good premise for the show. Uh, I am now on my second viewing of the first season of it, as uh, I started watching it one weekend that my wife was away, managed to get into the second series of it, but then my wife wanted to watch it, so I've had to go back and watch the first season again so that we can get to the second season together. Uh, and it's just a very, very intense, very uh, emotive and very emotional uh, television show. Now, chefing, not got a lot to do with wrestling, but the main man in it who plays uh, the protagonist, Carmi, is... Uh, Oh, what's his name again? I forgot his name. Jonathan Allen White, is it? In fact, I need to go into IMDb here to get his name. Uh, Jeremy Allen White, sorry. Jeremy Allen White is the, 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 the main player. And this, he plays Carmi uh, Berzato, who is the, the the chef that is or the, the, the cook in charge of his, his dead brother's restaurant. Uh, but he is also playing the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, in the upcoming Iron Claw uh, Von Erich family uh, biography starring Zac Efron and, and MGF as well. So there's the, the loose tie-in with it. But I would also say as well that the one of the, the overarching themes in The uh, in the Bear is the, the toxic workplace of it. Basically, he goes in as this highfalutin uh, chef trying to reinvent the wheel in this this you know beef sandwich shop, uh, but he wants to make it the best beef sandwich shop that that it can be. Uh, he faces a lot of kickback from the staff that are already in there, more particularly from his brother's best pal, who they refer to as cousin Annette Ritchie who is probably one of the most toxic uh, characters that you would ever see uh, in, in modern television. Uh, and it's probably very reminiscent of, you know, what we hear about uh, olden days locker rooms and maybe to an extent what goes on or what's been going on in the AEW locker room of late in terms of, you know, all the Lufisto stuff that's been coming out about how the women have been treating each other backstage and, and whatnot like that. And it's a very interesting look at the, the way that people approach changes to work, changes of management, uh, the volatile nature of working in a fast-moving business uh, where you know the, there's not a lot of money coming in, but they need to be making a lot of money to, to survive. Uh, there's also a great turn in it, uh, uh, the, the character Sydney, uh, who comes in specifically to work with Carmi because she's a massive fan of his work. Uh, she comes in with her own ideas on on what to do with the, the place, which have constantly been shot down by by one of the other cooks in particular. Uh, and the performance from Ayu Edebiri and it is is phenomenal. You know, it, it almost feels like a fly in the wall documentary at times instead of a, a scripted show. Uh, that's how you know intense and up close you get to the characters in it. And you really feel that toxicity coming through because they're constantly shouting at each other. They're constantly calling each other this and that and whatnot. Uh, there's a great episode, uh, series, uh, episode seven in series one, where it is just one continuous camera shot following what everyone's doing in the kitchen. 
Uh, and there's a great set piece in that where uh, where Sid and Richie are having this awful argument where they're right up in each other's face and she's got a knife and he's been a dick and it's just, it's so, so fraught with tension and anger that you can't not watch it. You can't not watch it. Uh, and I'd imagine that there are some locker rooms, whether that's on large scale or small scale, where that kind of intensity is just burning through. Um but Jeremy Allen White, as I say, he is going to be playing the Texas Tornado uh, in the, the Iron Claw. And if his performance in the Bear is anything to go by, uh, he will probably be the standout uh, in that movie. And again, I don't know how much airtime time uh, Kerry's going to get in that film. Uh, but if he can make himself uh, the, the better guy out of Zac Efron and MGF or the one to watch, uh, then it's certainly... Uh, something that I think that he is capable of doing off the back of his performance in the bear. So get that watched. Uh, but if you do get it watched, then you respond to anything in this. Don't tell me what happens in season two because I've not watched it yet. So yeah, that's uh, kind of an abridged version of the, the daft sheet for this week. Uh, we're all in uh, coming up at the weekend. I thought it was only fitting that uh, we pay tribute to who we hope is going to be there. Uh, to close out this week's episode, uh, and that is Grado. Over the next couple of minutes, uh, I've put together a wee, uh, you know, mini... Not, I, I don't want to say a tribute, you know, guy's not dead, it's just we don't know as yet if he's going to be on the card or not. Uh, but here's a little thing, a, a little bit of propaganda maybe, uh, as my reason as to why he should be on the card there as well. Uh, so... I'll leave you with this, and uh, however you enjoy your wrestling this week, however you enjoy All In, uh, or whatever wrestling you're, you're taking in this weekend, make sure they keep it daft and keep it shitty. I've been Chris Jack. Cheers. Scotland, as a nation, isn't short of charismatic people who make it seem easy to capture the imagination of those who love to back the underdog. And with Grado's rise through the ranks of Scottish, British and world wrestling, he captured the imagination of not only the wrestling scene, but he caught lightning in a bottle to pave the way for many more unlikely wrestling heroes by leaving an indelible mark in the entire British wrestling landscape. This is the story of Grado. A man who brought laughter, passion and a unique flavour to the world of professional wrestling. Regular wrestling daft listeners will know the Grado origin story inside out. From the tap end of Stevenston, to a post office in East Kilbride, from phoning up wrestlers from his grand's phone, to hashtag get Grado booked. Our man had the business in his blood from the off. His eventual ICW inception caught the headlines online, as the Vice and BBC documentaries shot him to local telly infamy, with It's Your Cell echoing through the community centres and nightclubs up and down the country in no time. As he rose in stature, Grado's infectious energy resonated with fans, turning him into an overnight sensation, his humour and relatability endearing him to audiences far and wide. But it was more than just his antics that made him a star. He represented the hard-working spirit of Scotland and captured the essence of the everyday person striving for greatness. Grado's influence extended beyond his in-ring performances. He became a symbol of hope for aspiring Scottish wrestlers, showing that dreams could be achieved with determination and a touch of flair, even if you looked like a dropped lasagna. Grado's fame wasn't confined to Scotland, his charisma crossed borders making him a sought-after talent in the larger British wrestling scene. The World of Sport reboot looked to put British wrestling back in the telly with Grado as its central character, but while the show failed to get a second series, it didn't stop Stevenston's finest from making a name for themselves across Scottish TV, Panto, and indeed in TNA. Grado, congratulations, <laughs> winning against Red Lightning. And never mind Red Lightning. James Storm, you tweeted me the other day, talking about Thanksgiving. I never get the time to reply to you because I'm too busy dressing up in a throat, putting on high heels and doing panel, but panel time is over right now. Stick Thanksgiving up your farter, James Storm. It's not that I don't like Americans, I just don't like you, you dafty. Next week at the Hydro, you're the cowboy, you're coming for America, you call yourself a redneck. When it comes to Americans coming out of Glasgow and saying they're a cowboy, you certainly are a fucking redneck!
December 2nd in a hydro, James Storm, I'm going to break your ass. You think that I'm a joke? I'm not a joke. I am ICW. I am Scotland. It's your fucking cell. See you, Dafty. Cut to 2023, just weeks before the biggest paid-for wrestling event in history. Grado sits across from Jeff Jarrett in the TalkSport studios as part of Double J's press tour of the UK to hype All In. An errant remark about sobering up leads to a flailing guitar being smashed over the Scotsman's head. Over a million and a half social media views later, and as of time of recording, still no mention of Grado being booked on the show. Just like you can't show a gun, or guitar in the talk sport case and not use it, Tony Khan surely can't tease us with the prospect of 80,000 voices belting out like a prayer and not follow through. After all, it was in front of the largest British wrestling crowd in over 30 years that Grado achieved his biggest win to date, defeating Drew Galloway for the ICW World Championship in front of 6,000 rabid Glaswegian wrestling fans at Glasgow's Hydro. There is carnage all over this arena. Commissioner Foley was kicked into that guardrail. Lightning is down. On the way back to the steel chair. Red Lightning brought that in the ring. There's no referee. Rob Dallas. This happens. This happens. This happens. It's your world heavyweight champion! The Britvez boom of the mid to late 2010s owes a lot to ICW, and in particular Grado, for making wrestling a viable business for a lot of workers and promoters. His TNA dalliance may not have set the heather on fire across the pond, and his comedic style may not sit well on the palate of the wrestling purist, but for the entertainment factor and the guaranteed huge pop any appearance at all in would be well and truly merited. Whatever happens this weekend, whether AEW has indeed got Grado booked or not, the story and career so far of Mr Steveley reminds us that in the world of professional wrestling, it's not just about the moves in the ring. It's about the emotional connection forged, the moments made, and the relatability emoted outside of it and all around it. And all of that combined is what has made us at the daft cheat the fellas in the Discord, the main show listeners and everyone who has followed his career, wrestling daft for the Gradle.